New York got rid of its governor, so California had to be all like, why can't we get rid of our governor? Booty fucking who? And so here we are. A very real scenario where two of the biggest states in the nation could see turnover at the top within months of each other. This is a, and, 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 I, and forgive me because everything's so partisan, I don't want to add to it, but let's talk. This recall is a Republican-backed recall. I'm mindful that I have to rebuild trust. I'm mindful that I have to continue uh, to do my job and, and, uh, and address the big vaccine issues, pre-existing issues like homelessness and housing. I take it very seriously. I take none of those on the other side lightly, but the most important thing I do is my job. Hey-ho, Maria C., Nathan H., Kyle C., Peter N., Brian C., Raphael G., holy down under, Raphael, we'll talk in show notes, The Mangler, Christopher Gabriel, Charles F., Jamimi, and my original. Unfuckers, subfuckers, eurofuckers, unknuckers, and down under fuckers, I want to remind everybody that thanks to the brilliant 99, we also have a musicless feed linked in the show notes for anyone with auditory processing issues. Unfucking the Republic has cracked the top 200 political newsletters on Substack, so I just have to thank all of our subfuckers as well. Hey, can you help us crack the top 100? It's free. We don't charge for our Substack essays, so go to unftr.substack.com and show us the not money. You complete. We've mapped out a pretty aggressive agenda between now and the end of the year with two special shows that we'll keep under wraps for now. And in no particular order, we'll be tackling climate, LGBTQ rights, unions, libertarians, the economics of food, trade agreements, and a slew of episodes on our relationship with Caribbean and Latin American nations, leading to a larger piece on immigration. So much to cover and all made possible by you, the unfuckers. Now, today I'm doing something that I don't love to do, and that's examining a current issue. As you know, we look for bigger picture themes and try to provide context and analysis around them rather than dip into punditry, which I loathe. But there's a thing going on in California right now, and it's rather fascinating, and it ties together some of the prior threads that we've pulled on. So we're going to half unfuck and half inform on the California recall and some otherwise surprising news that recently came out about the state's finances. So let's get to it. This is the story of a political pundit Who looked at the world around him and just said fuck it Gives the middle finger to authority and says kiss my ass But instead of a revolution he started a podcast Just what the world needs Another basic white guy But it's fun because he curses On September 14th, Californians will tally the votes of the gubernatorial recall election to see whether or not sitting Governor Gavin Newsom will be allowed to retain his position. Unlike the situation here in New York where ousted Governor Andrew Cuomo was replaced by his Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul, the California referendum includes an option to select Newsom's replacement and the field of options is, um, well, interesting to say the least. One of the bigger names on the Democratic side is a YouTuber. And on the Republican side, it's a conservative, anti-mask, Trump-supporting talk radio host. Oh, and Caitlyn Jenner. So we're not here to look at their candidacies, but to talk about the state of the state of California and what this portends for the rest of the country. Now, before we talk about the state, let's talk about Newsom and how we got to this point. 
I suppose the funniest and most surreal thing about him is that he was once married to this woman. President Trump is the leader who will rebuild the promise of America and ensure that every citizen can realize their American dream. That's right, human blowtorch and now girlfriend of Donald Trump Jr., Kimberly Guilfoyle, was once married to the so-called progressive Gavin Newsom. There's nothing really to report here except that that's really funny shit. Anyway, handsome Gavin had a pretty successful career in business before entering public service, and man, does he ever look the part. Newsom was in and around San Francisco politics at a pretty young age and was elected as mayor of San Francisco in 2003, where he served until he was elected as lieutenant governor and then ultimately governor of California in 2018, succeeding one of my favorite politicians, Jerry Brown. Fun fact, I once met Jerry Brown at a party in New York City. He was between gigs at the time, and I'll never forget running into him in a kitchen of a small Manhattan apartment. And I was all like, hey, you're Jerry Brown. And he was all like, that's me. And I was like, cool. So that's my whole Jerry Brown story. Anywho, when Newsom was mayor, he made his first national headlines by refusing to uphold the then law prohibiting same-sex marriage licenses. He made an unsuccessful bid for governor before settling for the lieutenant governor position for two terms under Brown. And along the way, his personal life was a bit icky, as he actually had an affair with his campaign manager's wife when he was mayor of San Fran. Ugh. He was separated at the time, but I mean, ugh. And 2020 was pretty bruising to Newsom on the personal front, with allegations of affairs, again, running rampant during the pandemic and a now infamous incident where he was found dining maskless with donors at one of the most expensive restaurants in California. So master of optics, he's not. And it seems like little Gavin has quite the hold on big Gavin. Beyond these salacious details, Newsom has been under fire from multiple fronts from failing to implement proper wildfire management planning, allowing COVID to run out of control despite vigorous attempts to shut down the country's largest economy, and running a huge deficit in 2020, even though most of the states wound up doing the same. The right has been especially tweaked by his policy to extend health insurance benefits to undocumented workers in the state. These circumstances have swirled like a tornado fire around Newsom and given the right some substantial cause and momentum to recall him from his position via this referendum. So let's say you had a pompous low IQ governor who was totally incapable of managing his own empty personal life, but at the same time, who, for his own perverse reasons, seemed totally intent on destroying the entire state. Hey, thank you, fucker. So yeah, the right is going for it, and the way this referendum is constructed leaves a huge potential blind spot for an electorate that may wake up to Newsom's departure and having this guy from YouTube elected. I'm a financial analyst, and I provide everything that I can on YouTube transparently. I want to bring that to government, because we need that transparency and honesty in government. Or this guy. World leaders do not despise Donald Trump. They don't. They respect him. Conservative talk show host Larry Elder, who's leading the polls as the likely favorite if Newsom is recalled. So, hmm, what to do, what to do. So pretty boy Gavin is on the ropes out there on the left coast. At first, it seemed like a long shot that he would be recalled because it rarely happens. Now, don't get me wrong, it's possible because they love their recall efforts out there. But the only time a recall effort for governor was successful was the sudden and precipitous fall of Gray Davis. 
Davis, a Democrat, was elected in 1999 when California was soaring high economically. Then the following year, the dot-com bubble burst, which hit California harder than others and the situation worsened for Davis. His tenure was also marked with rolling blackouts, which while more the fault of the prior administration's deregulatory actions, happened with increasing frequency on Davis's watch. Questionable fundraising tactics and favors also put voters over the top and a referendum was called, resulting in this. I will reach out to Republicans, to Democrats and independents to those who supported the recall and those who did not, those who supported me today and those who did not. I want to reach out to everybody, to young and old, rich and poor, people of all religions, all colors, and all nationalities. I want to be the governor for the people. I'm sorry, but wow, it still kills me that he was governor of our biggest state. First of all, Doug, let me tell you, when you go recall, you get nothing but first-class memories. Yes, for those who don't recall, this total recall, see what I did there, delivered us Arnold Schwarzenegger as governor of California. Ah, 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 ah. And the fact that it made it this far for Newsom should be seriously worrisome to the Democrats, because as much as Californians like to float the idea of a recall, they've done it 179 times, once a recall effort qualifies for a ballot like this one, it's not a pretty picture. So prior to Newsom, only 10 recall attempts made it far enough to hit the ballot, and of those 10, six efforts were successful. So if history is any judge, my man is right to be very, very concerned. Well, that's great. That's just fucking great, man. Now what the fuck are we supposed to do? So Pretty Gavin has trouble managing through a crisis, has seemingly even more trouble keeping his pee-pee on lockdown, and literally has the forces of nature bearing down on him. But if we know one thing about Americans, it's that they all value one thing above everything else. Fast cars? Automatic weapons? Betty White? Rocky Balboa? Organic, free-trade, shade-grown, bird-friendly, native-roasted, unfucking the Republic coffee? No, Alan Alda, sillies. That's not important right now. Now, aside from Alan Alda, the other thing Americans value most is money. As Bloomberg noted, no one anticipated the latest data readout showing the Golden State has no peers among developed economies for expanding GDP, creating jobs, raising household income, manufacturing growth, investment in innovation, producing clean energy, and unprecedented wealth through its stocks and bonds, all of which underlines Governor Gavin Newsom's announcement last month of the biggest state tax rebate in American history. End quote. So California isn't just winning. It's winning bigly. And if you listen only to the right, you would think that California is not just falling into the ocean, but everyone is leaving in droves and caravans and buying mansions in Texas. But as Paul Krugman recently noted in a Times op-ed, quote, it's also startling, given all the talk about people fleeing high taxes, to learn that highly educated, high-income workers who do indeed pay higher taxes in California than in most other parts of the U.S. were continuing to migrate into the state, end quote. Well, on manufacturing growth, GDP growth, employment growth, and population, California is indeed leading the pack. So much so that its GDP once again makes California the fifth largest economy in the world. Only the U.S. as a whole, China, Japan, and Germany are bigger, with the U.K. being neck and neck at $2.8 trillion. With a population larger than all of Canada, California also has the distinction of being the most innovative place in the world next to China. 
Take Silicon Valley and the green renewable industries out of the mix, and the U.S. is lagging so far behind the world and innovation, it's laughable. So fucking A. It turns out that Newsom's doing a pretty good job. It's a Hollywood fairy tale. Hooray for Hollywood. That's gooey bally hooly Hollywood. Where any office boy or young mechanic can be a panic with just a good looking pan. And not so fast. As great as it is to grow, sometimes it comes at a cost. The Calder fire so far has burned 177,000 acres, growing by 10,000 acres overnight. In total, it has burned more than 263 square miles, or an area larger than San Jose and Oakland combined. Across the city, the tents stretch everywhere. From Hollywood to Venice Beach, scenes from what could be a disaster movie. Now, a seemingly permanent fixture on the streets of Los Angeles. Well, there is no doubt about it. We are now in the midst of the worst drought we have seen in modern-day California. COVID patients at California hospitals have nearly doubled in the past two weeks. Right now, there's more than 5,300 patients compared to 2,700 in the last week of July. Let's see. Plague? Check. Drought? Check. Homelessness and famine? Check. Sweeping biblical fires? Check. We should be to zombies in no time. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. Apart from all the biblical shit, it's the human suffering by our own design that creates a groundswell of anger. Remember, from a 10,000-foot perspective, things looked pretty decent under Obama, but right there, just below the surface, there was rage. Rage that comes from gross and rampant inequality. Rage that comes from seeing your fellow man splayed out on the street with nowhere to go. No one has been able to deal with the broken social contract that has come with the success at the top of our system, and nowhere is it more highlighted than in California. These intractable issues existed under Arnold and Jerry Brown and now Newsom, but it's never been this stark. On the one hand, California grew beyond anyone's expectations. And because details matter and we make a big deal of getting the economics of things right on this show, I should point out that the surplus in California this year, in real terms, is about half of what the Newsom administration is pointing to. But still, they crushed it, but only in certain sectors. Right now, today, 17% of Californians live in poverty. That's 26,000 for a family of four or 12,000 for an individual. Couple that with the fact that the median price for a home in the Bay Area is a staggering 1.3 million. Holy fuck. In SoCal, it's 760,000. And in the Valley, it's 452,000. There's no wonder so many families are out on the street. I mean, you're talking about the heart of technology. We have homeless management information systems that can track and manage an entire population of unhoused people and match them with wellness providers and shelter. Of course, that's only a band-aid and presumes that we have enough open shelter to house those in need. The real issue is the structural imbalance of wages and opportunity and the cost of housing, food, and other basic needs. So Newsom has a mess on his hands, and frankly, he's no Jerry Brown. Hell, he's not even Arnold. But he's the guy they got for now, and this recall is super scary because as a Democrat in the most democratic state in the nation, he does have the legislative backing. And now, due to the surplus, the wherewithal to effect real positive change. 
take him out of the knees and risk having a YouTuber in the top spot or a conservative wholly misaligned with the majority of the state attempting to take away all of the social gains and frustrate any progressive momentum we might otherwise have in the biggest, most important, innovative, and reliably blue state in the nation? And you're fucked. Is this yet another mealy-mouthed devil-you-know argument? Yep. Because it's a fucking recall and a special election. If you want to put up a true progressive that can keep their libido in check and take this opportunity to advance a massively progressive agenda next year, then great. But this ain't the time to be fucking around. Honestly, this has the same smell and feel as Brexit. One of those holy fuck I didn't think they'd actually do it kind of moments. And that's scary. But it's not the thing that's really scaring the establishment Dems. You, you want to see something really scary? You bet. Really? Yeah. Okay, this is, this is really, really scary now. Jump back just a few months when the right and the left were all a titter over the one thing that's actually scaring the Dems the most. According to some sources inside of the Senate, Dianne Feinstein's cognitive decline has been evident for years, according to her colleagues and even members of her staff. As The Atlantic points out, quote, if Dianne Feinstein, the state's aging and ailing senior senator, was unable to finish her term, whoever wins the recall, if not Newsom, then most likely a Republican, would appoint her replacement. The Senate is split 50-50, and Vice President Kamala Harris holds the tie-breaking vote. How much Californians care to keep Newsom, a governor who often provokes only tepid support even among his voters, could end up deciding the fate of the Democrats' Senate majority and the entire Biden agenda, end quote. I know this is the second or maybe now the third time that I've veered off course into vehement ageist rhetoric, but what the actual fuck already? New rule. If you're past the point of cognizance and continence, you have to go. Sorry, not sorry. RBG, love you, but you fucked us. Nancy, Diane, Joe, even my beloved Bernie. It's time to develop a fucking bench already. Enough is enough. Listen, I love my day job and I love unfucking the Republic with y'all, but there will come a time when... Welcome back to unfucking the Republic. I haven't fucked the Republic since uh, 2035. What did I tell you about playing fart machine noises? That wasn't a machine. Oh, <laughs> well, on today's episode, we're talking about President Zendaya's $470 trillion budget. I love that our imitations of old people are just Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall's impression of old white dudes. This is beautiful. What is that, velvet? Anyway. I don't think Gavin Newsom is necessarily the right person for this job. His personal choices are questionable at best, and while he has a lot to stand on with respect to progressive reforms, the tasks ahead to minimize inequality, deal with unhoused populations, manage the demands of immigration, and create a more resilient infrastructure to battle the ravages of climate change are enormous and likely require someone of greater talent, conviction, and moral fortitude. Not to mention support from colleagues, voters, and peers. But ending it now is way too risky. The alternative is too dire, and the election is just a year away. So we've got the potential balance of power in the Senate, right? California is the center of innovation, and it's the largest engine of the U.S. economy, which means that we all have a stake in this. And so in many ways, the story of California is all of us. 
it's always been first, the ultimate trendsetter. And it wasn't always blue. Remember that this was the home state of Richard Nixon, where Ronald Reagan crafted his national platform and his persona as an anti-welfare, anti-big government politician. California was as red as red gets. Slowly, over the past couple of decades, as the population grew, innovation was fostered, environmentalism took center stage, and the immigrant population grew and thrived, California went true blue and led the way in adopting progressive measures. The rest of the country, if you look through history, whether it's politics or food or fashion or technology, whatever, the rest of the country runs about a decade behind California. So if we dare to extrapolate this tendency and project a bit, if California is the ultimate national bellwether and has demonstrated that a massively red state can evolve and reform through innovation, social welfare spending, ecological consideration and conservation, and humanitarian immigration policies, maybe, just maybe, there's a lot more blue in our future. It's a vision that is certainly worth cheering and supporting, so we need our left coast family to ensure that this momentum isn't interrupted on a fucking technicality. Hard no on the recall, but find his replacement for next year. And fuck Ronald Reagan. Here endeth the lesson. Governor Newsom, I'm heading home. Is there anything you need? I need to know why they don't love me. Sir? The voters. Ingrates. Every one of them. Sir, it's late. Maybe you should get some rest. Bah, humbug. Good night, sir. They don't appreciate me. Our economy is booming. I'm trying to help immigrants and solve homelessness. And yet, they want to get rid of me. It's all just so exhausting. <sighs> Can't go home, so might as well get some sleep here. I'm just so tired and I wish it was all... Newsome! Awake! It's time to face yourself! What the? Who let you in here? Are you a... a ghost? No. I'm Italian. Oh, Andrew! Jesus, he scared the shit out of Silence. me. Silence! Tonight you shall be visited by three governor ghosts who will show you the way forward. They might be black or white or gay or straight, but they're coming. To prevent you from my fate, take heed. And whatever you do, don't grab any more tits. Apparently, that's frowned upon, even if you're Italian. Okay, what the actual fuck? Hello, Gavin. I like your hair gel. Reminds me of me. Holy shit, Ronald Reagan? I'm the ghost of Governor's past, here to redeem you for your sins. Listen carefully, as we haven't much time. Okay, uh, I mean, I'm a Democrat, so I'm not sure what you've got for me, but what the hell? Hello, Gavin. I'm the ghost of Governor's past. Um, yeah, you, you said that already. Did I? Well, there I go again. Where the hell are we, anyway? You gotta be kidding me. Hello, Gavin. I'm the ghost of Governor's past. And, well, all you need to do is cut welfare and blame the blacks for communism and drugs. Now, tear down that wall. Yeah, um, the Berlin Wall came down decades ago, sir. 
Not that wall. The wall to the executive bathroom. I have to piss and I can't turn doorknobs. Jesus Christ, what the fuck was that? The man said, tear down that wall. A job for the governor. I'm the ghost of governors present, and I'm here to tell you to man up and stop being a girly man. Uh, yeah, we don't really use that kind of gender-coded language anymore, Arnold. Shut up, you piece of garbage. Damn, nothing like training the old weasel. Yeah, I'm, I'm really not sure how this whole Christmas Carol redemption story is supposed to... There is no redemption. I'm here to make sure that you're not terminated. And I'm here from the past to... Hello, Gavin. I'm the ghost of... Oh, for the love of... Jesus, now what? Caitlyn Jenner? Hello, Gavin. I'm the ghost of Governor's future. I'm what awaits if you don't get your shit together and lose the recall. The total recall. And I have no recall. Oh, oh my God. Sweet Jesus. I know what needs to be done. Two hours later. Good folks of California. I come to you today to appeal to your better angels, to beg for your forgiveness, and promise that if you keep me as your governor, I'll blame black people for crime, take away welfare from the poor, shame immigrants, and protect us from a transgender future, because I am a true red-blooded governor of California. I think that went very well. The kid's getting the hang of it. Shit, he might be president. All right, 99. I haven't gone through show notes yet, so these are all going to be a surprise to me. Oh, good. Yeah, let's do them (laughs) together. That's the best way to do it. (laughs) Well, I can tell you this much. Mark P. bought us a coffee. Not too late. Took out a membership. I love that these memberships are coming through. How do they do that, by the way? What do they go to? They can go to buymeacoffee.com slash UNFTR. Give us a one-time donation if they feel fit, see fit, whatever. Or they can sign up for a membership. So they have to feel fit in order to give us a donation. (laughs) Yes. Well, thanks for uh, the membership from Not Too Late. Thomas H. Holy shit. Thomas H. bought 10 coffees? Wow. In the 1970s, we had a chance to learn from our mistakes in Vietnam. In the 1980s, we had a chance to learn from the USSR's mistakes in Afghanistan. Learning from your own mistakes is a sign of intelligence. Learning from others' mistakes is a sign of wisdom. So when you don't learn from your mistakes or others, what's it a sign of? And oh, by the way, FMF. Thomas H., thank you for the donation and those pearls. Appreciate that. Joel J. bought five coffees and said it's possibly the best podcast I've ever heard. Holy cow. Nathan E. took a membership. Oh, Nathan. Hey, what's up, Nathan? Nathan, oh, thanks for doing that. Nathan's a serial unfucker. He said, you you fuckers know how much I love you by now. Still not a, just a coffee drinker. So regrettably not buying your fucking delicious native roasted coffee. Trust me, it's hard to resist with the glowing reviews from week to week. That's one thing I have to say. The native roasted coffee that we partnered with is truly unbelievable. We are roasting it now in the studio in the office. We made that happen, and uh, I have to say, everybody loses their mind. It's really, really good coffee. So if you are a coffee snob, you will get it. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. Maria from Puerto Rico bought five coffees. 
Holy shit. Oh, she came to us, by the way, from Best of the Left, of course. I love you, Best of the Left. Some random lady in Montreal bought us a coffee. And we're not just saying that she's some random lady. That's actually what she filled out as her name. Some random lady in Montreal. French Canadian unfucker here. Your Canada episode was the best Canada explainer I've ever heard from a foreign source. I might cry. Thank you. On Facebook, Scott C., your discussion would be more convincing if you acknowledged how many bills the Democrats filibustered under Trump. Yeah, dude. Scott, you are right. I didn't really acknowledge that in that episode. That is a very good point. I am of the opinion, though, that to the victor go the spoils and that we have to have a a more democratic process, run better candidates, just like this episode was putting out there. And as long as the elections are fair and accessible and not gerrymandered and that we're not disenfranchising voters across the country, I really do think that progressive reforms will stand up because that's how people feel. People want gun control. People want universal health care. People want a better society with underpinnings in the social uh, welfare state in case you periodically fall through the cracks. I mean, this is what people vote for. This is what people fill out on surveys and it's what they answer. The only people not listening to it are our representatives because they're locked into this really shitty system where they have to kowtow to the party elites. So if we go through all the mechanisms and the machinations of fixing those structural, procedural issues that we have in the system, I do believe that a representative democracy will bring these things forward. So yeah, did the Democrats filibuster under Trump? Absolutely. And you know what? If we go forward without the filibuster, it means that we have to be bulletproof on the ballots. And we have to take that chance because this is going to be unpopular, but even that system of having the filibuster with a maniac like Trump in charge is still allowing the minority to run the agenda. Now, the the haha of this whole of the Trump years is that McConnell he didn't want most of those bills to pass either. And there's a lot of things that he could have done to ensure that they actually did see the light of day. The only thing McConnell cared about was the tax cut, and it actually helped him to have the Democrats filibuster a lot of the bills that came thereafter because it showed that it was the Democrats' fault that they couldn't get any of their really crazy agenda items forward, uh, and he was able to hang that on them. So the filibuster is part of the uh, political gamesmanship on both sides of the equation, and the only way to ensure that that doesn't happen going forward is to just fucking get rid of it, but you got to fix the underpinnings of the system itself before you do that. Scott, I appreciate your comment, and hopefully that sort of gives you some deeper thought uh, from where I was coming from. Kyle C. said, great episode on important subjects in our politics today, and he's also looking forward to the veganism episode. And CJL listened to the procedural fuckery episode and loved it as always. Sometimes I feel like the dumbest person in the room listening to the podcast. Thanks for helping me learn and grow. You ain't the dumbest person in the room. Uh, That much I can guarantee you. On Twitter, Afandre said, still digesting the economics of racism episode. Every time I listen, I'm stunned and humbled by your decade-by-decade breakdown of American racism. Clips from Viola Fletcher and Chappelle were visceral and immediate. Afandre, that was uh, definitely, that's in my top, top three episodes, putting it together. Mostly because it answered so many of those top level casual racist remarks that I'm encountered with as a, you know, cisgendered white male presenting person in this world. I learned a lot along the way and, and I'm glad you did too. 
Jason R. Smith said an important listen right there. And Rotan Rick said, I find myself in a love-hate relationship with this podcast. Love the way you lay out the details and the topics you present. Find myself hating how fucked up we've become. We have a a love-hate relationship with ourselves. It's a self-loathing podcast. Okay, so Raphael, my man, Rafraff said, as promised, here's a non-exhaustive list of things about Australia. Hold on to your butts. It's a long email. So this email is just for me, Manny, and 99 to digest and love and roll around in. It is so... Rafe Raff gave us basically the... It's it's just like all the clues. It's just like, you know, opening... It, it, I feel like uh, Nicolas Cage in one of those bad National Treasure movies. It's like, oh, everything's right there. Bad? Bad? Oh, it's a bit, you're saying it's a bad movie? No, I'm saying National Treasure is a National Treasure. Oh, meaning... You like it? Yes. You do? I do. Really? Yeah. So I was going to go with a Tom Hanks movie, but since you revealed that you hate Tom I Hanks. I did not say that. No. <laughs> no. Right before the show, you said that you I would rather. I said that I would rather meet Henry Winkler. Than Tom Hanks. Yes. I have nothing against Tom Hanks. Except that you like Henry Winkler better. Sorry. That sounds like you hate him. I'm just being honest. No. Okay. Ray Raff, all I can do is say thank you, and we're on it. And here's another call out to the Australian or, or down under fuckers. What is the Canada land of Australia? Oh, that's right, too. We want to make sure we do Australia right. And we have, yes. you know, obviously now Rafe Raff's co-authored the episode. <laughs> Basically. But who who is the authentic voice there that we should speak to? Who is the Canada land of, of down under? Hit us up wherever, basically. Just send us an email. All right. Brian C., damn dude, that close out on the Afghanistan when we leave episode. From when you said the Democratic leadership is part of yesterday to that closeout, just inspiring, Nate. Literally had a tear in one eye. Listened to three times now. Thanks, Brian. See, we appreciate that more than you know. Gene or Jean. Hey, guys, Max99 and the whole invisible crew. Our whole world needs your intellect, humor, and sheer grandiose balls of steel in speaking truth to power. As far as the concept here is to unfuck the health insurance industry and I guess our just our healthcare industry. So we have something planned for the beginning of 2022. I know that sounds ridiculous, but we have planned out most of the year here. And it will tackle not just health insurance industry, but also the pharmaceutical industry and the middlemen referred to as PBMs. So I have enough knowledge about it to be dangerous. I'm doing a lot of research on the side and trying to assemble notes on this very carefully. Because healthcare is a very tricky, tricky subject. We do it differently, obviously, than most people. We have some quirks in our system, again, that just don't exist in other places in the world. And I feel like we, we need to put together a really balanced look at the entire system in order to pluck out some of these bigger issues. So Jean, Jean, we'll be getting to it. Uh, but again, beginning of next year. And we had a couple reviews. Here we go again. <laughs> User Gdegish money. Sign, dollar sign, user good hue. User good hue said, This is an excellent podcast. And as a previous review says, the host is very smart and humble. Who's that? Great. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so humble. Just ask me. Is that the only fucking review that we had? Yeah. Are you shitting me? No. Do they hate us now? Unfuckers are dropping the ball. I wouldn't blame them. Maybe it's, maybe it's us. No, I'm blaming them. 
No, don't blame on fuckers. Someone has to be the antagonizer. (sighs) You're not going to do it, Mr. Humble. Leave leave that to Manny. (laughs) That's true. I am way too humble. And the one thing about Manny, (laughs) he's not so humble. And he does get the last word. Holy shit, by the way. Can we talk about... (laughs) Can we talk about the end of the last week's episode? It's so rude. Whoa. Fuck I, I knew Basin. I should have fuck, cut that fuck out. Manny Basin. I was like, he'll he'll never have heard it if I'd cut it out before I sent it over. Yeah, yeah. And I I dug my own grave. You did, you did. I <laughs> love Manny Faces. I love Manny Faces. <laughs> but it was pretty magical. All right. So now uh, before we close out, no book love here, but for pod love, tell us a little bit about what you're listening to with Canada Land. Yeah, I downloaded the new Canada Land series, The White Saviors. It's basically just about how this child-led company essentially to end child labor turned into a child labor cult, (laughs) more or less. That's the log line, I think. Only three episodes out right now. So good, though. So good. Really well produced. Oh, I mean, of course. Yeah. I listened to it all last night. I wanted more. (laughs) Candleland as an organization is really doing some amazing stuff. So I haven't downloaded that one yet, but I do listen to Backbench, and I really like Backbench a lot. Some really smart analysis that's on there. And just the way that they take their time, they professionally put everything together. They're putting together like a really serious network there. Quality is something that we pay, obviously, great attention to. It's why we have the best producer engineer literally in the business in Manny Faces putting these things together because you know the sound quality the audio quality the engineering is all part of the storytelling and it's all part of the engagement mechanism and they just happen to be doing it right you know we, we're constantly amazed at some, some other shows that are just like I don't know they, it, I don't want to say they're phoned in because you know the content is really good but it's just like you can't even wrap your head around the production value of it. And it's literally phoned in. <laughs> it's, and, or, yeah, or literally phoned in. And you got mics at different levels. And you got all these little nuances that uh, Manny takes care of for us. They clearly have a very professional editing crew and uh, production at Canada Land. And uh, anyway, we just enjoy them. We enjoy their partnership. Not something to ignore how good their website is. Yes. And their artwork is beautiful. Yeah, live and love Canada Land. They're doing just such a great job over there. Uh, if you can let us know who the Canada Land of Down Under is, I think that would be really helpful. You know, another area that we're, I don't want to say we're ignoring, we just really haven't weighed into it, is the UK. It's kind of neck and neck with the number of listeners that we have uh, from Canada. So, UK, we see you. We hear you. You Who's know, your Canada Land? There's so many, like, mature media outlets there. And I don't want to just assume anything. I'm sure uh, The Mirror has a podcast that's just top-notch. Top-notch. That is a great investigative reporting, too, I'm sure. Yeah. Anyway, as always, Unfucking the Republic is produced and engineered by Manny Faces Media. I beg your pardon. I will have you know that I am very humble. That's why we have the best producer engineer literally in the business in Manny Faces putting these things together. All these little nuances that uh, Manny takes care of for us. I love Manny Faces. (laughs) Pretty magical. The show is produced by the great and fearless 99. All original music, including our theme song, is produced by Tom McGovern. The show is hosted by Hawkeye Pierce and distributed by Homemade Hooch. You can support Unfucking the Republic by clicking on the Buy Us Coffee link or purchasing our actual, real-life, organic and fair trade coffee in partnership with Native Coffee Traders by visiting unftr.com. And spoiler, we might have, we might have, a 
a special guest coming up in a little bonus episode talking about the coffee soon. Anyway, sign up for our essays on Substack for free at unftr.substack.com and buy our recommended books at bookshop.org slash shop slash unftr pod. All right. Californication. Featuring, starring David Duchovny. I wish. I like David Duchovny. He's literally. Oh, you love David Duchovny. Oh, I did. Get the fuck out of here. This has been my phone background for like three years. Shitting me? No. For real? Yeah. Are you a big X-Files fan? Yeah. Yeah. It's all coming together now. Yeah. Did you ever watch Californication? Oh, of course. You did? Yeah. Okay. And I've seen David Duchovny in concert. That's weird. It was me, my sister, and a bunch of 50-year-old women. I touched him. Why? Because he came into the audience and he was standing in front of me. What, what does he do? Sings. Well? Actually, yeah, his band's pretty good. I mean, they? yeah, it's good enough. Like, I wouldn't like, I'm not like, you got to hear the new David Duchovny album. Wow. But I'm like, I like this. 